guys. Welcome to my show. My guest today is an amazing uh, artist, Amanda Grieve. First time I saw Amanda's artwork, I was stunned to feel a raw emotion uh, she projects in her paintings. The struggle that I saw in her artwork reminded me of my own struggles. Being a woman and trying to meet societal expectations. Her highly creative compositions make me stare and dissect every artwork, trying to understand what the artist wanted to say with her paintings. The artist participated in a number of uh, high-profile shows and festivals exhibiting her work in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. I'm honored to have this artist on my show. Please welcome Amanda Grieve. Well, first of all, welcome to my show. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to see you. My first question is about your uh, previous uh, job, previous career, and I'd like to hear more about your experience uh, switching the careers and uh, uh, how, how is being an artist different from your previous job and um, what are the similarities? Why did you become an artist? Um, well, I should probably preface this whole conversation with um, the fact that I originally didn't go to school for art. I went for um, genetics and then epidemiology. So I have my master's degree in epidemiology. And I worked um, for a while as an epidemiologist with um, a nonprofit called the Autism Project. Mm -hmm. And then, but I also ended up working um, as a, um, a legal secretary and a, a legal researcher. So for a very long time, I spent... Um, most of my working hours in a legal library, looking over court opinions and checking the references and the citations and stuff for those. So uh, this is so different. It's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the only parallels between those careers is the research element. Um, as far as like, you know, the legal aspect I love to research and it's fun to research um, for paintings and to gain inspiration from, you know, um, books that I'm reading or um, songs that I'm listening to. The, as far as like the, the scientific element, like just learning how the body works and knowing what is underneath the skin and how that, um, how that works really, I think, informs your ability to draw and paint the figure. So, I mean, you, you can even like, think of it in terms of, of like you know in art history you heard about like artists working with cadavers and trying to figure out like what the muscle structure was and the bone structure and so um so it actually explains why you're so good uh, at figure painting because you have this knowledge of uh human anatomy and how it works I, well you know i i think it definitely helps it, it, it at least in my case it definitely helps how did you make the decision? What was the turning point? I, well, I worked as a legal researcher. I worked in um, our appellate court here in Illinois. And so um, my boss was uh, wonderful. And 
gave me the flexibility to um, take courses at the local community college during work hours. Um, I just would have to make up the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I ended up taking a drawing course and just fell in love with it. I mean, it just kind of snowballed from there. And so I was able to take more courses um, through the community college and then through our local university, University of Illinois, and eventually get my bachelor's in visual arts. I say that it just was something that I, I decided to do, but I also, um, I grew up in a family of artists and mu- musicians. It's just that it was not anything that really interested me whenever I was younger. Huh. And so I was around it. I, I guess you just take advantage of the fact that, or you take for granted the fact that, mm-hmm. y- that you're submersed in it always. You think that it's a normal part of life mm-hmm. um, and you don't necessarily take part in it, but it's just always there. What did your parents do? They... My mom was an artist. Okay. Uh, like a painter? She, well, she was a jack of all, she is a jack of all trades. She's uh, a painter. She did sculpture and um, I have four sisters. So she stayed at home with wow. us. Four sisters. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then my dad uh, is a farmer. So, so oh. we grew up um, out in the country, just I kind see. of feral children. <laughs> wow. See. You know, I also st- um, began studying art in my uh, early twenties and I already had like, um, I had a business degree and it kind of didn't work for me. And I began taking, uh, classes at the community college as well. And oh, wow. so we kind yeah, of that in yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. And, uh, and then I kind of got, uh, carried on and I began working on my bachelor's degree. But it, it, the story is almost the same. <laughs> But I didn't spend, like, I didn't really work, you know, after getting my business degree. So that's mm-hmm. the difference. And you spent many years, I'm assuming, working? I don't know, almost 10 years, I guess. I, and at the time, too, I mean, I was working a full-time job, but then also um, I didn't have children at the time. So I was um, working probably 30 to 40 hours along with that in my studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like having two full-time jobs to the point until I could, you know, justify quitting my job and using, uh, being able to do art full-time. You are married and you have a child. Is it a girl? Yeah, a little girl. She's seven. Yeah. Seven. So how does your family and uh, your family responsibilities affect your painting? Uh, they're They're pretty great. I mean, um, You know, as a mother, it's hard sometimes to find that balance mm-hmm. now. Um, and I will say, you know, I had my little girl later in life. So my husband and I had been married um, for quite a while, um, almost 15 years um, before we decided to have kids. And um, so it was a little hard to adjust to not having as much time or having to make better use of my time. Um, after I had my little girl. That said, um, I think it's made my painting better only because, you know, you're cutting out all the fluff. You, um, I'm painting quicker, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm painting better, but I'm definitely painting quicker than I was before. And I don't think that um, any of the effect is lost. But also, you know, after I had my daughter, I, it was kind of like the turning point in my art. It was the first painting that I did after I had her was kind of like a cornerstone piece. 
-hmm. and having her kind of, you know, before I was, I was very much about, um, equal rights and feminism. But then after I had her, it was heightened, you know, Mm -hmm. this idea that you want to make the world a better place for her, Mm -hmm. um, really, um, was a stepping off point for the work that I do now. So, so I, I'm not sure that I would be in the same place if I hadn't had my daughter. Workday starts at 8 p.m. after they go to bed and you, yeah. you know, paint until sometimes, you know, it's not so bad now that she's older, but, uh, you know, whenever she was a child, it's like, okay, she'd take a nap and I'd paint for a couple of hours and then she'd go to bed at eight and I'd paint from eight to midnight, you know, so it's like you're, you're working on, as you probably know, like very little sleep, just kind of like you almost become, a, a, you know, an automaton, just... <laughs> lather, rinse, repeat, try to get as much done as you can. Do you plan on using her as a model at some point? Yeah, um, I've taken a few photos of her, um, mostly just for, um, I do flower face paintings. So, you know, her face will be completely covered. I I go back and forth because I do like, I, I'm a fairly private person. So I, I do like to not thrust her into, you know, Mm -hmm. any sort of spotlight, just her, you know, visage. I'm assuming that your models could be your sisters. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Like they were, they have been so kind to, uh, they they are your sisters. Is that they're my sisters, my sisters and my friends. Um, most of them now, my sisters, um, for the most part live in other States. They live in, you know, Colorado and, Mm -hmm. uh, Wisconsin all over the place. Um, but, uh, originally that, yes, they were, they were the ones that I used the most. And now I've got some friends and acquaintances that have really, uh, just allowed me to, to communicate my vision and, uh, trust me with their images to kind of, um, do with what I want. So I really am very lucky. So do you, um, have a preconceived idea before the photo shoot or you let them uh, do whatever they want and then you uh, collage uh, the elements together? You know, it depends. Um, A lot of times we, my models and I will have conversations about like what their ideas of being a woman or just have conversations pre-COVID we'd get together Mm -hmm. um, at coffee shops and talk. Um, I would communicate like the idea that I'm kind of thinking they give me their input. Um, So I guess it's kind of like, you know, it's very much um, reliant on our relationship and the conversations we have. But at the end of the day, I I still maintain creative control, but I do always appreciate um, the um, suggestions or the stories that they have that inform the piece also. Cause you know, while I try to keep it very general because I want it to be something that all people relate to um, there. I think it's nice to have that intimacy or that sort of um, quality that gives it a singularity also that isn't just um, generalized, but is maybe singular to that woman's experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting that you actually uh, let them participate in your creative process. Well, I mean, it's not so much that they're like, you should put this here or you should put that there. It's more so like Like discussion. Yeah, it's a discussion. And and it's always my main goal that they feel comfortable with what um, I have them, how I position them or what I have them wear, what's going to be on their face. From my perspective, 
you can tell a difference between a model that doesn't trust you and one that does in the finished product. You can see that distrust to me or that hesitance. Uh, how do you see that? <laughs> you know, if a model looks relaxed, right? If she mm -hmm. looks relaxed right. in the image, then you can tell that she or he, that they, they trust who is uh, photographing them or who is painting them. And so I can see in the images of the, the uh, photographs that I've taken, which ones trust what I'm doing or which ones feel uh, comfortable enough to, for me to say, Hey, can you um, tilt your head back? Or can you um, position your legs this way? And, and, you know, that seem more comfortable than um, some seem more comfortable than others. It's kind of like whenever you um, have somebody sit for a portrait mm -hmm. and uh, it makes it easier to paint whenever you get to know them or, you know, not just painting strictly from a photo, somebody that you don't know, I guess mm -hmm. is kind of where I'm coming from. When I look at your art and um, I see various uh, forms of struggle um, in your beautiful paintings, uh, female faces get covered by, you know, by hair or they're turned away from the viewer or their faces are covered with flowers. Uh, figures also have uh, very unusual poses. Some are thrown on the floor. Uh, others bend down or feel constricted by something. It almost feels like uh, the flowers are alive, growing out of uh, the female body, or maybe uh, they're consuming the figure. I don't know. It's just the feeling. And it feels like the woman battles uh, with her past, maybe with her memories, she probably struggles with her uh, present situation. How do you um, come up with these ideas? Why do you uh, depict women struggling? Whenever somebody asks me this question, the first thing I say is that whenever I, after I had my daughter, um, everyone around me said, so you're going to stop painting now that you have your daughter, right? And they would never say that. They would never even think to say that to my husband. It wasn't like, you're going to stop farming because you have a daughter now or you have a child now. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't lost on me, this thought that, you know, society has a certain perspective of women, right? That, you know, they have the children and then they are the ones, they're the primary caretakers and they lose themselves um, in, in this um, caretaking and, um, are not, are sometimes supposed to be not only a perfect mother, but also a perfect um, worker. It was a very poignant moment for me. And it made me think about like what, what society thinks women should be and what they should do as opposed to what we as women feel is right for us. Mm -hmm. And um you know, it's something that I, I struggle with a lot. Um, and I, and I think a lot of other women do too. And so there, to me, there is this societal, um, idea of femininity, what we should be, that we should be beautiful and well-kept and successful, um, in whatever we choose to do for work and, and successful as parents. And there's, um, idea that everything should be perfect when it's not. And so that was a lot of the reason why I've started or why I started doing these paintings of women um, 
who looked like they were struggling, whether they were being bound by flowers or weighed down by flowers. Because to me, whenever I think of um, like the floral element, anything botanical, I think of femininity. You know, you think of flowers being um, delicate and beautiful, um, but also they can be um, very resilient. They can be, um, I guess, considered weeds. I mean, so to me, or poisonous even, to me, um, that really tracks as far as what a female, you know, what, what we consider feminine, right? Um, to me, that there's, there's a definite similarity between flowers and women. And so I liked the idea of this push and pull, this struggle with dealing with what a singular woman's idea of femininity is, as opposed to what society's idea of femininity is. Mm-hmm. So did you uh, come up with this, well, come up with this idea a long time ago, or it kind of developed over the years? Um It has developed over the years, but um, as I said, like after I had my daughter, that's whenever I really started thinking about it um, because uh, just the, the need, the desire to make the world a better place or to, to make it more, to make it more equal for her whenever she, as she grew up, when she got older, as opposed to what it is now and, and what it was before, you know, for my, my mother and my grandmother um that's what kind of uh was the jumping off point for for these pieces okay who influences your painting the most or maybe what do you I'd have say- any or you you kind of like you don't look at anything <laughs> <laughs> um i get a lot of influence from um books that i read and music and poems i suppose i do from from other visual artists too, but I always worry that I'm going to one, get too much influence from other visual artists. And two, you know, I feel like as an artist, my art, my ego is very fragile. So it's like, I see these wonderful pieces that the artists around me are making and it's like, Oh my God, I'm never going to be that good. So I, uh, I get a lot of my influence from mostly books and like I said, songs and poems, more so written word than, than anything. What kind of books? I, you know, I, I read a lot of fiction. Um, I feel like there's an empathy in that and, and honestly like an, an escapism and a magic that, you know, you don't necessarily find in, in other kinds of reading. And so I am one of those people that, uh, I love the idea of escapism and I love, um, I love just the idea of finding magic in, in things that, uh, but yeah, that's where I get most of my, my influence that's from. It's quite fascinating to learn because uh, I also f- try to put magic back into my painting. So that's true. Yeah. I, I'm not the only one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I know. do it very differently. That's true. That's true. But um, your paintings are gorgeous. And I always, I always enjoy seeing them on Instagram. And, um, you know, it's just, but I agree with you, we we are very similar in that respect. You kind of answered this question, but uh, maybe you can explore it more. Um, What do you want to accomplish as an artist? Like, what's your final destination? What's your goal? 
I would, I would love to be able to, um, be successful, obviously. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, like monetary success is wonderful, but, um, I would still be painting even if I didn't sell my work. Mm -hmm. And so I think what I would like to leave is just kind of a legacy for my daughter, Mm -hmm. but also, um, you know, I would like to be able to, um, make the world a better place. And that sounds really generic, I guess, but it's the truth. I mean, I want to leave my mark somehow and I want it to be for the betterment of, um, the people around me and society And I want it to um, serve the purpose of opening minds and, um, you know, working toward more like a more equal society. So I guess Mm -hmm. in my own little way, I, I, that's what I'd like. How, how will you put uh, your paintings in front of large audiences? Because otherwise no one is going to see it. If your end goal is to make the world a better place, it means that more people need to see your art. So do you have strategies in place uh, to make it happen? No, not necessarily. I mean, I guess the thing is, it's not so much like more people seeing my work as opposed to having a good influence on the people that do see my work and having that be a domino effect. Right. I mean, if you, Mm -hmm. so like, you know, there, some paintings um, that I have, like whenever I've had um, gallery shows, Mm -hmm. you have conversations with people that see the work and maybe have a different idea of what it is or don't know that, um, you know, it's about um, feminism or, they don't know that it's about um, uh, gay rights. And so it's having that conversation with people and hoping that they take away from it um, or that it sparks an interest in them to um, look at things differently or see different perspectives um, and opens their mind a little bit. So, I, I mean, it's not so much that I feel like I need to have everybody see my work it's that Mm -hmm. the few that do see it I want it to have a good influence on them and then um that to kind of snowball into you know fingering out to the rest of to the people that they know and the people that they know and that sort of thing so what's your uh, definition of feminism since you you've mentioned that several times uh, I'd like to hear that um for me, it's just uh, equal rights and um, frankly, equal consideration. I know like um, the first, the first, actually the first painting that I did um, after my daughter was born was called The Feeling of Falling. And it happened after a conversation that I had with my sister, who at the time was working for um, the Department of Natural Resources in a job that um, was primarily for men. And she was doing, she was doing as much, if not more than the men that she was working with, but she was getting paid less and she had to really fight to get paid an equal amount. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just seemed archaic. (laughs) I didn't, I couldn't quite understand that. And so um, for me, like, I know people 
say feminism and then they roll their eyes. But really for me, it's just a matter of equality. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that uh, women are better. It's just saying that women are equal. Okay. In what way do you feel not being equal? You you talked about your sister, but uh, what about you? Like, where do you feel like you're restricted or you're less of a person? Um, I think um, even just like in, uh, you know, parenthood where the woman is considered the primary caretaker and um, is expected to not only be um, a wonderful parent, but also um, wonderful in whatever job they choose. And, um, you know, you hear all the time too, like in the art world, how men get paid so much more than women for their work. Mm -hmm. And I guess I just don't know why that is. So I think it's just a constant, not a battle, but a recognition that, uh, or knowledge that we have to work a little bit harder or we've got to um, do a little bit more to be considered equal. Okay. Who, who do you think uh, establishes pricing? Uh, why do you think that male artists uh, get more for their work? As That's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Is it because of who's collecting it? Is it because of who's representing them? I, I have no idea. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. You know, when I paint, sometimes I have like negative thoughts like, uh, oh, I wouldn't be able to do that or uh, I cannot do this. And then I kind of try to reverse myself and say, oh, I, yes, I can do this and there is nothing wrong feeling this way and uh, I'll do better. A lot of artists go through negative self-talk. So how do you overcome that, if you have any? Um, oh, yeah. Um, I think with every painting I start, it's like having this feeling of, uh, am I going to be able to do it again? You know, have I lost my touch? And um, I think it's not so much um, ignoring those feelings of doubt or whatever, but just acknowledge, acknowledging them and pushing on in, in spite of them, because um, it is hard. It is, it's, and it's hard too, because, you know, for most artists, you're really putting yourself out there. You're putting um, your thoughts and your feelings and you want those to be validated. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, it's necessary just to be brave and just to, to have trust in your, ideas and your motivations um to create you know mm-hmm. sometimes when I paint like I um I am involved in my process and I get excited when I, it gets finished and I let's say put it out um on social media and it doesn't really uh, uh get traction or I don't see uh the same excitement as I had painting it. So do you have similar experiences or whenever you uh, put it out, you get the response that you want? Or does it matter at all? I don't, 
I don't uh, know. I figured out that a lot of times it doesn't really matter in the end. Um, I kind of like the process of painting and everything else kind of loses its uh, importance after all. What, what is it for you? I, I don't know. I always am a little, you know, whenever you're putting a new piece out, you always get a little bit, a little nervous about what the response will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know that I, worry about it too much just because you know it's done it's I can't take it back and I'm Mm -hmm. you know I uh I feel like every piece is important it's important to me so I don't know I don't know that I really think about it too much I, I see social media as more of like a tool to just get my work out and to be able to um get as many people as I can to see my work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that that not everybody's going to like it and it's not going to be everybody's favorite piece. And um, so, yeah, I just try not to let that bother me too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can, there, there are definitely pieces that have gotten, that have garnered more attention than others. And I just think that's normal, you know? Okay. Just a normal part of it. Okay. So where do you find support when you need it the most? A lot of times uh, we can feel down or something doesn't go our way uh, as planned. So where do you find your... Um, my husband is very great about letting me bend his ear about certain things. And my mom um, is too. And then um, I've, pre-COVID, you know, I had a group of artists that I would get together with um, once a month or so that we call, we'd get together on Sundays and call it art church. And that was always nice to kind of have that um, creative think tank, but also, you know, it's nice to have other artists to commiserate with and to bounce um, different ideas off of as far as like technique and medium and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, I would say that that. In what town do you live? I I live um, not far from Springfield, Illinois. Um, So I live, you know, in the middle of some cornfields, but um, I'm lucky because, because, you know, surprisingly, there are quite a few um, really fabulous artists that don't live that far from me, as it turns out. So, um, so yeah, they've been, they're wonderful. You're a really good painter, technically. We we discussed your subject, but like, uh, let's talk about the technique of oil painting. How did you learn it? Did you learn it in being in school or you learned it on, on your own? Like, what was the experience like? I guess a little bit of both um, on my own and at school. Mostly because, um, you know, when I was at school in my art classes, my teachers would just say, well, just have at it, you know, do what you want. I wouldn't say that there was a lot of, um, well, Mm. instruction in the sense that it was like, you should be using this and you should be using, you know, this medium or these brushes. And I mean, I, one of my instructors was really great about um, making suggestions or, you know, at the beginning, like giving us good color combinations as to have as a foundation, I guess. But really, um, for me, a lot of it was just mm-hmm. trial and error, but also um, experimentation, you know, um, 
with different colors. And, um, you know, I used to, whenever I, I first started, I would play this game with myself where, you know, you'd be driving in the car and you'd look at something and or a tree or a billboard or a building. And you would be like, okay, this is, you know, burnt umber and um, ultramarine blue deep and a little bit of white, like looking at things and coming up with color combinations that would make the colors of the things that you were seeing outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say like, yeah, there was some, there was definitely an instructional element, I guess, but more so it was just trial and error and experimenting on my own. You're very talented to get it to this point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm maybe talented, but also just a little bit of luck. <laughs> luck? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> What's your biggest challenge painting from the pictures? Obviously, it's not the same as painting from a live model. For most of us, it's not possible because it takes many days and sometimes weeks to finish something i mean i'm assuming you're painting from pictures oh yeah 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 what's your biggest challenge creating art from pictures well you know there is a certain flatness and a certain um you do lose some like gradient of color whenever you don't Mm -hmm. do it from life um but i think that you know you I've been doing it long enough now and I have painted and drawn from life that you can make certain assumptions in what you have, you know, the, what you have on the computer screen or in the the picture um, from your experiences working from life. Mm -hmm. Um, So that makes it a little easier. Um, And then, you know, the other part of that is too, like you learn to take really good pictures and you learn to take a bunch of pictures um, to kind of help round out that, um, that image. So there's that too. Let's talk about the business of art just a little bit. I know that many artists would like to learn um, about this part <laughs> um, of uh, our life. Can you describe your relationship with galleries? All of the galleries I've worked with have been wonderful. I would say as far as, you know, from an um, artist perspective, the thing that I think is most important is having um, great images of your work. And whenever you, before you approach galleries, do your research, you know, um, see who they represent. If your work aligns with their Mm -hmm. um, stable of artists, um, and also if they're, um, what their requirements are for submitting to their mm-hmm. gallery, you know, following them on Instagram and maybe, you know, creating a dialogue with them. It, you know that their galleries get flooded with. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Submissions. Submissions and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So I think just um, being knowledgeable about the galleries that you're approaching and making sure that your art fits and the other part of that is also like if they if you don't get a response or you don't get a response the response that you want um while it's it's hard to take that um uh not personally (laughs) not personally yeah yeah. you have you, you just have to you have to find a way to um 
not take that personally. How many galleries did you approach before you got your gallery representation? Or how was it like for you? Maybe the gallery contacted you first. Yeah, I I lucked out because um, I had a piece, well, the, the feeling of falling, this first piece that I did, I had it in a biennial exhibit in Rockford, Illinois. And um, it happened that a collector, who, someone who collects, who hadn't collected my work, mm-hmm. um, saw the piece and was moved by it. And because of that, contacted a gallery, um, Arcadia Contemporary, mm-hmm. about my work. And then they, the gallery contacted me. So I was really lucky in, re- in that respect that um, I had some guy that I didn't, you know, initially know um, contact a gallery on my behalf. Now that said, you know, I've submitted my work to other galleries that I thought that my work would um, really align with what their um, idea was and either didn't hear back from them or, you know, mm-hmm. was told, well, not at this time. And, and that's fine. I mean, I can say that, that, that I didn't take it personally, but you know, I'm human. We do. You just mm-hmm. find a way to get over that. And um, you just, I think part of being an artist is developing a thick skin mm-hmm. in a way dealing with rejection, but also putting yourself out there, putting your ideas out there and, you know, really like you're exposing a part of your soul, I guess. And realizing that it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, that this relationship between the artist and the gallery would improve or actually become worse over time? Because what happens is that there are tons of artists who try to get in into very few galleries. Um, and obviously galleries cannot accept everyone, then it's just a matter of uh, luck or, you know, being liked by the gallery owner um, to get into the gallery. Do you think uh, this would change over time or there will be even more uh, competition uh, to get into the gallery space? And do you think if it's important at all? Because what I find is that I can sell my art without having a physical location. So yeah. uh, what do you think about all of this? You know, the thing is like Instagram and um, Facebook and all these social media sites make it a lot easier for artists just to sell mm-hmm. their work on their own, right? And mm-hmm. so... Um, and keep I think percent. Yeah, right, right. Um, but at the same time, you know, they don't necessarily have access to the collector base that galleries have. Mm-hmm. The relationship that artists have with galleries is a very fluid thing. And it's changing really quickly just because the way people view art is changing really quickly. And especially now, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We don't get to have openings the way we used to Mm -hmm. at least you know for the last year or so artists and galleries both have really had to change the way they market their art to kind of in service of what has happened 
you can say that there's probably going to be more competition just because there are more, there are lots of artists out there and they're, they have access to social media and you can market your own art. And so, you know, I really don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I would say that if you can um, sell your work by yourself, that's awesome. And not have to uh, use, like be able to do it all by yourself. That's great. But I will say that there are also definite benefits to working with a gallery you know, they, they have their own collector. Um, they have their own collectors, but then they also, you know, they're smart about marketing mm-hmm. and um, showing work and they know who to contact. And even just, you know, having your work in a physical space where you don't have to worry about shipping to collectors and, you know, they take care of all of that. And so, right. so yeah, there, there are benefits to both. I mean, I guess it's just weighing what works for you and, and what you have access to also. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the art scene today? Do you think realism is going to be here for good? For a long time, like there was just abstract art. And now contemporary art scene becomes more fun because realist artists get noticed again. So what do you think is going to happen in a decade or two do you think maybe realists are going to stay here or disappear (laughs) once again I don't know that they're they're going to disappear I think maybe you know that we've always realists have always been here it's just whether they're considered um if there's a certain popularity to it I guess um so it's always going to be around I mean it you always hear like, oh, painting is dead and blah, blah, blah. And it isn't. I mean, it's just what, what the ebb and flow, I guess, of, of art, everything comes full circle, I suppose. Um, so I don't, I think that, that there will always be um, a desire to view realist work and um, hyper-realist work. And so I, I, you know, it's just finding the people who who like it, I guess. Do do you think there will be more art collectors looking for this kind of work, or I don't know. Um, I you know I don't I don't really um, do a deep dive into like collecting trends, but I hope so. <laughs> I hope that there are more art collectors who like that kind of work and want to purchase mm-hmm. it. Because uh, if we look at art history, there was fantastic Greco-Roman art and then it disappeared in the medieval times. And then, so it, it looks like we go in waves, you know, getting everything perfect, uh, the human figure, the perspective, uh, and then denying and rejecting all of that uh, in favor of something else. And it goes like, uh, it goes in waves. (laughs) (laughs) From my perspective, it's like, I think, well, I know what resonates with me and I know how I like to paint and how I like to paint isn't going to change based on what, I guess, the market demand is or what collectors find appealing. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, very much just like a, uh, horse with blinders like I just keep on doing what I'm doing and and what I like what resonates with me and and hope that you know I find collectors or 
not even collectors, people who even just like to, to view the paintings and, and it resonates with them. Anything else you'd like to share? Um, um, I can't think of anything, but I, I was really looking forward to this and I'm so glad, you know, we've conversed on social media and, and emails and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to kind of have like as real a conversation as we can have face to face. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of nice. Well, it's been a lot of fun, Amanda. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy you decided to participate and I thank you very much. Oh, well, hey, thank you very much for reaching out to me. You know, as nervous as I get about this stuff, um, it is always nice to, to talk to a fellow artist and um, art appreciator, you know. So <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy that part. Thanks so much. <laughs> all right, talk <laughs> to you later. Thank later. you. Bye-bye. Bye. And all the links are in the show notes. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye.